Um, I want to I want to jump into this word. Uh, this is a series we started uh, last week called Give Me, Give Me That Mountain. This is part two. We pull it from Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. It says, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. The kid, if, your, if your dad's named Jephunneh, you just got to call him like J-Man or Mr. J. So it's just like, get rid of it. He said to him, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spite out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. This is really important as we study the life of Caleb, is he was a man of conviction. Caleb believed and also acted on what he had believed in his heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me, who made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. God's promises are not just for one generation, from generation to generation, because you have fully, wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am, this day, 85 years old, and as as yet I am as strong this day as on the day Moses sent me, just as my strength was then. So now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Caleb was a bad, bad man. He says, now therefore give me this mountain. Everybody say, give me this mountain. Of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. They were giants. And that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. As the Lord said. You know, it's really important to know what the Lord says. It's, it's important to know what he's saying. It's important to know what his word says. We're singing in, in faith about we believe what he said. You can't believe unless you know what he said. And if you know what he said, you can stand on what he said. If you can stand on what he said and you have faith in what he said, you're going to see what he said come to pass. And that's really what this text is talking about. You see a stubborn man named Caleb that says, I know what God said. I know the inheritance that has been promised to me, and I'm not backing down until I receive it. I know inheritance is a, is a funny thing. You think about, I was, I was actually, um, I have a problem. We never get our mail. Um, I need to get better at that, but, but it's just, I hate mail. Like, why are we doing that still? Why are we still sending envelopes? Why are we still, like, letters and all of this? Like, let's just, let's just email each other. In fact, let's just not even email each other. Let's just talk to each other. Let's just text. I'm a text guy. And people call me all the time, and, and I never answer the phone. So I just, I'm sorry if I didn't. I'll text you back. You leave a voicemail, I'll text you back. And uh, I'm a text guy. And uh, But I, the other day, there was a pile of mail on the counter because the mailman got mad because, you know, there's a lot in there and we emptied it out. And I was going through it and in one envelope, it said, it said like huge letters across it. It says, claim your inheritance now. I'm like, my, my inheritance? I'm like, I, is there somebody that died that I don't? know about or and I'm like that's just meant to do anything to get you to open envelope these days you know what I'm saying so I just threw it away like a good mature man would but that night I was laying in my bed and I couldn't sleep and I was thinking but what if it's <laughs> you know like what if that was the one 
that was like, actually, I mean, that's going to be like, we're going to pay for the Dream Center. I mean, it's like, I threw it away. I threw it away. I started thinking, like, should I go get it and just, I mean, I should just open it and, and check. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't think I had like a great aunt that died or anything. And, and uh, there's, there's no inheritance to be had. Can I, can I tell you something? There is an inheritance to the people of God. And that inheritance has to be claimed by the people of God. An inheritance that is not claimed is an inheritance that will never come into your possession. If you never take hold of it, if you never claim it, then you will never have it. You know, it's interesting. That money can be set aside for you, but if you don't claim it, it will go unclaimed. As the people of God were going through their journey through the wilderness into the promised land, Caleb, we find in this passage of scripture, he is saying, hey, I remember the word that God spoke to Moses. I remember that this land was not like a bonus or a gift. This was an inheritance. This was something that God gave to us. And so he says, I want to make sure I get what God promised. Give me that mountain. You know, there's, there's always, we talked about this last week, there's always a process between the promise and the possession of the promise. Anybody ever been stuck in the process between, man, the promise is awesome, but I just haven't taken possession of it yet. There, there's, there's always a process, and you see throughout the Old Testament the people of Israel stuck in the processes of life. What, what is interesting is this is the promise that was given all the way in the beginning to Abraham. Abraham, we know if you study the Old Testament, he's the father of many nations. Abraham was given the Abrahamic covenant. He was given a promise that God would bless him and all his descendants. Did you know that the promise for the promised land didn't just come through Joshua? In fact, it didn't just come through Moses. It came all the way back hundreds and hundreds of years ago through Abraham. I want to show you this in Genesis Chapter 17, we can find this. I think we have the timeline on the screen. Look at this. Abraham, in 2000 BC, God speaks to him and he says this, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant. That's really important because some of us have a hard time like believing God for something for like eight days. This covenant transcends even our lifetime. It's from generation to generation. He says, this is an everlasting covenant between me, you, and your descendants after you for the generations to come. And this is the promise, that he would be our God. And he would be the God of our descendants after us. The whole land of Canaan, this is interesting geographically. This is the whole land of Canaan that God's promising. Where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. That's an awesome promise. That's an awesome promise. The only problem is that Abraham died without seeing the fulfillment of his promise. It didn't mean that God didn't answer or that God failed. Abraham just didn't live long enough to see the fulfillment of it. Do you see how sometimes our mindset is so small because we think that all of God's promises and all of God's generational blessing and inheritance is going to happen in our small little lifetime? God's purpose is bigger than me. God's purpose is bigger than my lifespan. God, I want it to happen in my lifespan, but God's purpose is bigger than me. God is a generational God. So Abraham dies with, without seeing the promise all the way now in 1245 B.C., God now speaks to Moses. And God speaks to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 16. He says, The Lord, 
The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me. Did you hear that? The God of Abraham, of Isaac, generational. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise powerful when God promises something, that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the who? Canaanites. Land of Canaan, the whole land. Okay, there's a connection there. The Hittites, Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Anybody hungry? 45 years later, 40, 45 years later, now Joshua comes on the scene. In Joshua chapter 1, God makes a promise to Joshua. So we see Abraham it's a promise that he's going to be with him and his descendants. He's going to bless him, and Canaan will be a possession. Now, Moses is getting a word from God that he is going to go into the land of the Canaanites, and that's going to be their promised land. Now, Joshua says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them. And we talked about this last week. Me and God are going to talk about this in heaven. When he says give, it's different than what we think about giving. When I think about give, I'm thinking, you put it in my hand. When God says give, he's like, go get it. (laughs) Right, right. He's like, there's the promised land. I'm giving it to you. And I'm sure Moses was like, man, thank you for this. Wow, wow, look at this place. This is awesome. And then it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a lot of enemies here. He says, yeah, I gave it to you, but you gotta, you got to claim it. You, you have to take possession of it. So this is what God was saying. He says, I guarantee that you win. I didn't guarantee that you wouldn't have to fight. And I think for a lot of us, we get caught up in the idea that if God gives us something, we'll never have to fight for it. But that is not the character of God throughout the Old Testament and even into the New. If the people of God are going to take hold of what God has for them, they're going to have to go get it. They're going to have to fight. Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. We're going to have to, we're going to have to, we're going to have to get out of our status quo our comfort zone, and our normal, and we're going to have to go get it. He says, every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. Generation after generation after generation. And now we pick up the story with Caleb that we read out of our text, and Caleb says, hey, I know the word of God that was spoken to Abraham, and I know the word that was spoken to Moses. And he said to Joshua, I'm old now, but I'm still strong. He says, give me my mountain. And I believe God's stirring something up in the people of God that says, I'm not going to just sit back and let the promise pass in front of me. I'm not content with just waking up one morning knowing that there's great promises. I want to take possession. I want want to grab hold of. I want to to bring it into my reality. Whatever God has promised for me, I want. It says that Caleb believed in his heart heart. He believed in his heart what God had said and believed that it was his inheritance. Listen to this. The inheritance was not determined by the attitude of God. Like, oh yeah, I like you, so I'm going to give you an inheritance. It was established as an inheritance, and how much of the inheritance they received was determined by how persistent they were. Or you could say it this way. He said, wherever your feet walk, I will give you that land. You know, most people don't have enough faith to take a walk. 
We're just like, man, whatever you bring me, God, I'll just, well, man, they, they have a lot more than I do, but wow, I'll just take whatever you give me. Have you ever walked around? Faith walks. Faith takes a step, and faith is divine curiosity. This is what if God could. This is what we're doing as we approach this year, and we're in 2022. What if God could bring city transformation? What if God could shake a region? What if God could wake up a state? What if God could move like he's moved in times of past, in the past? What if God could do it again in a better way, in a greater way, in a lasting way? We're just crazy enough to take a to take a walk. 19, it's 1975, the founder of Youth with a Mission, YWAM, Lauren Cunningham, he had, he had a vision from the Lord. And uh, he was planning to meet with Bill Bright, who was the founder of Promise Keepers, a lot of great movements. And uh, they were meeting together, and God had spoken to Bill Bright about something. They both went to meet each other to share what God had spoken. And they shared what a lot of people have taught and, and, and really uh, talked about for now years. But God showed Lauren Cunningham seven, seven mountains of influence that he believed were critical in order to establish godly culture in the world. Well, at the same time that he pulled out the piece of paper and showed Bill Bright, Bill Bright pulled out a piece of paper out of his pocket to show him what God had spoken to him, and God had shown him seven areas of influence. They were the exact same seven areas, that if the people of God would take up residence or establish influence in these areas, that they could shift the entire culture. See, I, I believe this is that these mountains that are set up are meant to be influenced by the people of God. And there's been some people that have taken that, that mandate or they've taken that charge and they think that they're, they're, we got to defeat the enemies in those places so that we can overcome that. Can I tell you this? Our job is not to defeat people. The Bible says we do not wage war against flesh and blood. Our goal is to go in and defeat any plan of the enemy, take up residence in mountains of influence so that we can adjust culture and we can help the people that are in those places be set free and experience the goodness of the gospel of Jesus. And these, these, are the, these are the mountains that they said. They said that they concluded that in order to truly transform any nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ, these seven facets of society must be reached. They said entertainment. You know, for a long time, the church ran from entertainment world. Hollywood is this, and the church is over here. God's raising up entertainers. God's raising up men of God, women of God, that will actually take that mountain. We need God to raise up. Instead of abandoning a mountain and saying the world can have it, God needs to raise up men of God, women of God, that will establish, their, they, will establish they will establish a place on those mountains. We can't run from those things. And you're not trying to defeat people in those places. You're trying to establish a stronghold for the kingdom of God so that you can influence culture, media. Well, we need God, we need God to raise up some truth tellers. In me. We don't need to abandon media or fight media. We need, to, we need to change the way that we pray. Or we need to answer the call ourselves for what God's asking us to do. And instead of just denying areas of influence, we say, God, how can you raise someone up? to be an influencer in that place, in business. Do you know the greatest limitation to the kingdom of God 
It's not the enemy. It's resource. It's resource. And God gives us the power, Deuteronomy chapter 28, gives us the power to make wealth. Some of, I've, I've talked to businessmen and they say, man, you know, I can make money, but I just want to be in ministry. Sir, that is ministry. God is funneling resource through you so that you can advance his kingdom. And more than ever before, God's going to raise up businessmen, businesswomen, entrepreneurs that understand that this is a mountain that I've got to take. I can't abandon the business mountain and all of us become pastors. We have to understand that the marketplace has to, has to be infiltrated by the people of God, not to conquer other businesses, but to establish your business with integrity and favor and success so that you can make a difference in the lives of those around you. These are mountains. When we're talking about take that mountain, we're saying that the enemy has had these mountains too long, and we've got to take them back. In education... Education is a mountain that is under fire right now. I'm telling you, even, I've I heard even in the last couple of weeks in our, some of our local school districts, there is an agenda to educate the next generation. Can I tell you this? The next generation needs to be educated by families, by churches, by families. Your, your kids should not learn sex ed at school. They need to learn it in the home. They need to learn that marriage is between a man and a woman in the home. They need to learn that they're a boy or a girl in the home. They need to learn how to walk in righteousness and purity and have integrity and character in the home. This is a mountain that we have to establish ourselves on. We got to take it back. Give me that mountain. We started a private school because we believe in the power of Christian education, but we can't abandon What's happening in public school? We need parents on school boards. We need parents that believe in the next generation. We need missionaries to be raised up in our schools. We're not trying to overcome someone that's there. We're trying to establish influence so that we can see people enlightened and awake to the purpose of God. Government is a fun one. (laughs) Government. You know, I think that we're approaching government the wrong way right now. I, I think that instead of abandoning it or waiting for someone else to do something different, can I, can, I, can I say something just real bold just for a second? If you're waiting for another politician to, to take a place of one politician so something will change, you have now succumbed to idolatry because now we're looking to a candidate or to a politician or to a person more than we're looking to God. Last time I checked, Saul was a church killer, Christian killer, and murderer. And on his way to Damascus, the power of God hit him, saw Jesus in a vision, and the greatest persecutor of the church became the greatest builder of the church. And if you're just waiting for God to raise up another missionary to the church, and you didn't realize that Saul was one right in front of you, you will, you will abandon or you will neglect the purpose of God in this time right now. We're not trying to overcome anybody in government. We're trying to establish places in government so that we can influence culture. Some of you may need to run for some type of office. Some of you maybe need to answer the call to step in so that we're not just throwing arrows, but we're saying, God, how can you raise up a place and a person of influence so that the entire culture can be shifted? We need to take back the mountain of government. 
family, which I believe is the most pivotal mountain of all. Sometimes we can be so upset about the other mountains that the enemy is attacking that we neglect the most important one, which is our home. Our marriages, our children. Can I just tell you this, that you are the, you are the steward of the culture of your home. And it should be full of the presence of God, and it should be full of peace, and it should be full of love, not perfection, but there should be forgiveness, and there should, there should, there should be an atmosphere of, of the presence of God. Your kids need to see you as, your, as parents. They need, to see, they need to hear your words of affirmation. They need to see you loving one another. We've got to take back our families. Well, you know, I, 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 we got a great mentor. we got a great this. No... Dad, mom, you are the most important voice in your children's lives. And they need to hear them. And they need to hear it with love. I had somebody tell me the other day, they said, man, you don't want to like, you don't want to like get your son's heads too big by like, you know, tell them they can do anything. Can I just tell you this? The life is undefeated in making us insecure and feel like we can't do something. My sons are going to hear they can do anything. That if God's for them, who can be against them? That they, 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 they're amazing, and there's mountains for them to take. They're Caleb's. They have a different spirit. They're mountain takers. They're overcomers. They're history makers. They got to have that and hear that in the home. We got to take, take our family back. We've got to take the mountain. The last one is of religion. Religion, that's, that's, that's our churches. Did you know that the separation of church and state was never to keep the church out of the state's business? In fact, it was the entire opposite. It was actually written, it was, it was planned on to keep the state out of the church. That each of us would be able to exercise our religious freedom and worship the way that God's called us to worship without any type of opposition from the government. That's why it was written. We flipped it now to try to keep church stuff out away from, from state stuff, but that's not the way it was written. It was written to make sure that we would be free to worship, that we'd be free to lift up the, that we would be free to gather like this and lift up the name of Jesus. Church is a mountain that has to be taken has to be overcome, has to set up influence in. Can I just say it this way? Your mountain is whatever God has called you to. Whatever area of influence that God has gifted you for, that is the mountain that he has called you to. Your mountain might be healing. It might be restoration. It might, it might be encouragement. But whatever that mountain that God's called you to, that is, that is a mountain that you've got to take. And you know why I found this to be true? That there is a spiritual battle that has taken place in our world. That, 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 that there, is a real, there is a real realm of darkness. The Bible says the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's a real reality. And as we move forward in life, it is easy to allow life to train us not to believe for complete healing, complete salvation, complete deliverance, and we'll be okay with like part way. Well, you know, if we can just barely get by, if we can kind of make it, if we can, no, when we believe God, this is, this is the Caleb spirit. He says, no, 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 I was promised over 45 years ago. This mountain, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm still as strong today. Vision will give you strength. He says, I'm still as strong today as I was then. I want that mountain. I'm not a lesser mountain, not a different mountain, not a partial mountain. I want that mountain. 
I want to I give you this as we begin to close about mindsets that Caleb had that you're going to have to have in order to be a mountain taker. If you're going to take mountains, this is number one. The land is mine. It's, it's, it's an understanding, it's a posture, and it's a declaration. The land is my. Caleb knew this. He knew the land was promised him. He wasn't like, God, if you so will, if you so desire to give me this mountain, God already said this mountain is yours. Did you know that when Adam and Eve were put on the earth, God, God gave Adam a decree, a mandate to take dominion. So he says, I want you to take dominion. I want you to possess this land. So he's given it to The land is yours. When it, whoever thought that we should just keep the church all bundled up in a building and away from the world did not follow or study the teachings of Jesus who was, who was in the world more than he was in the church building. And the Bible teaches us that he was among the people all the time, reclining around tables and operating in the gifts, in power, in healing, encouraging. Most of his messages happened outside of the church. So you've got to understand that the, the mountains of influence in our culture belong to the people of God. That we have to take authority and say, this is not trying to overcome a person. This is saying, God, let your favor be on me in business so that I can have influence over those that are in business. God, let your favor shine on me in family. We take authority over our family so that you can help me to culturally turn the tide of what family looks like and what marriage looks like. The land is mine. The enemy is defeated. This is number two. These are mindsets. The land is mine. Well, is it mine or is it? It's yours. Healing is yours. Freedom is yours. Salvation is yours. It's yours. That's, that's why Jesus died on the cross, friend, to make sure that everything that is in him is given and made available to you. So it's yours. The land is mine. But also, the enemy is defeated. See, I think that the problem with the 12 spies that went into Canaan is that 10 of them were wondering, can we do this? And Joshua and Caleb were like, yeah, we can surely do this. God said it. Because they knew that if God asked them to go into it, then he already guaranteed their victory. So God's not asking you to jump into a fight that you might lose. He's asking you to jump into a fight that he guarantees your victory, but you will have to fight it. If you know you're going to win, that'll give you a little confidence in the fight. You're going to win, but you can't win a fight you won't show up for. The land is mine. The enemy is defeated. Now listen to this. The anointing is on me. The anointing is God's super on our natural, supernatural. It's God's, it's God's power that works on our natural giftings. So you're naturally gifted in, 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 in the area of government and politics, and you feel God calling you to run for office. God's anointing is God's super on that natural gifting. God doesn't give you some other gifting that you shouldn't use or you can't use, whatever giftings you have, God will anoint in order to advance his kingdom. So his anointing is on you. What is it on you to do? It is on you to take the sphere of influence that you're in and establish kingdom culture or godly culture. You're actually anointed to do it. That, that'll give you confidence. That'll give you confidence. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not just like, this is not just something I could do. This is something God called me to do. The anointing is on me. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. It says, the spirit 
Jesus was speaking. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Quoting Isaiah 61, he says, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim, proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What does it look like when we take mountains? When you take these different mountains of influence, you're declaring this, the spirit of the Lord is on me. That he has anointed me. Anointed me to do what? To proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the, your enemy is not the people in the sphere. Your enemy is the enemy in the sphere. And when we overcome the enemy in the sphere, we set the people free. It says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I think there's some people in business that need to know that this is the year of the Lord's favor. I think that there's some people in education that need to know that this is the year of the Lord's. It doesn't feel like this is the year of the Lord's favor, that we're going to see God lifted up and established in each and every one of these areas. The land is yours. This is what the scripture says. The land is yours. The Lord is with you, and you will drive out the enemy just as he said. Caleb shows up. We read this part. He says, now, therefore... He says, give me that mountain. I had my message all prepared, and I was praying this morning, and I was praying for you. And I was just thinking, I wonder what mountain you wanted. I wonder what that was. Like, I, that's cool. He wants that mountain. What was the mountain? And I started studying it, and the mountain is Hebron. Well, Hebron's interesting because Hebron is mentioned in the books before this in Abraham's life. In fact, when Sarah, his wife, died, he buried Sarah in Hebron. And it wasn't even their land yet, but it became, we read about this, it became their possession. So when I was talking about taking mountains, I'm like, we got to go take mountains that we've never taken. And I realized it was wrong. Because when, when Caleb said, give me that mountain, it was not a new mountain. It was the mountain that Abraham had been on. It was, the Abraham, it was the mountain that he had heard from God on. That from generation to generation. When Caleb showed up and said, give me that mountain. It was not give me that mountain. It was really give me that mountain back. Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob ended up all being buried there. And when the Israelites went into captivity in Egypt. And they thought there was no way that God was ever going to bring them into this promised land. That promised land was not a new land. That promised land was an old land that got taken from them when they went into captivity. So when God said, I'm going to bring you to the promised land, he was really saying, I'm going to bring you back into what you were in. And when I was praying for you, I felt the Holy Spirit say so clearly, he said, some of you are looking to take new land but before you take new land, you need to realize that we got to take the old land back. That there's some areas that the enemy has established strongholds in our own life that we got to say no more. That you got to get out of here. You got to get out. Give me my mountain. Give me this mountain back. Give it back to me. So when Caleb says, give me this mountain, this was the same exact area. The same exact area that God had spoken to Abraham in and where Abraham had buried his wife. Then they go into captivity. Moses delivers them. They're out in the wilderness and they're just trying to get back to where they had come from. 
And isn't that the journey of the people of God? It's not new land. We're trying to get back. We're trying to get back to what God has already given to us, already promised us. You know what's interesting is um, it says, and we read in one of the scriptures, it says this was the place of the Anakim, which is a type of giant. That that place in Hebron geographically was actually renamed a name that represented four giants. And when Caleb said, give me that mountain, it was known as the place where the giants lived. What's interesting is that was not the original name. The original name was Hebron. The original name represented where the saints, where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were buried. But because of captivity of the people of God, the giants moved in and renamed the place, the place where the the giants live. So when Caleb says, Caleb's bad, bad to the bone. When Caleb says, hey, uh, this is the one I want. The place where the giants live? Yeah, the place where the giants live. I need to get this mountain because I got to get it. I got to get it back. The enemy tried to rename my marriage. The enemy tried to rename my freedom. The enemy tried to rename my purity. The enemy tried to rename my kids. The enemy tried to rename. So when I say give me my mountain, I'm saying no. The enemy tried to rename my future. The enemy tried to rename my destiny. And I'm just going to say no, I'm getting it back. This would be the place that God promised me. I'm getting it. I'm getting it back. Give me my mountain back. Give me my mountain. Give me my mountain back. This is Caleb. Caleb had a fight in his spirit that wouldn't settle for anything less than getting back what God had promised. He knew what God had spoken. He knew what God had given him as inheritance, and he would not stop until he got it back. He says, I want my mountain back. And I believe God, in this season, in our church, in our lives, God's stirring up a fight in our own hearts. Can I tell you this? Is the giant, I believe, that's really settled in the people of God is a giant of fear. That where once the people of God had faith, now we're afraid of everything. There's so much fear in our world. Our news is ran by fear. Our politics are ran by fear. Education is ran. These mountains are taken over by fear. People, I mean, there's never been a worse time to have a cough, right? I mean, I almost choked myself the other day. I was on an airplane, and, and uh, I had to cough so bad. And this guy was sitting next to me. I'm like, oh, don't do it. Don't be that guy. Don't be. I'm like, and I ended up, I mean, that, it was worse because I exploded, you know. And it's just like, the guy actually, he actually tattled on me. He's, stewardess kept on coming to my seat, and I'm like, what is going on? And finally, he went to the bathroom, and she goes, sir, I'm sorry, I keep on coming over here. That guy's complained about your mask three times. He says that it's too low. I'm like, should it be over my eyes? I mean, whatever. There's a, there's a fear agenda, not that things aren't real, because the threats that the people experienced were real. But the fear was not from God. See, we're going to experience difficult things. Hardship, opposition, pain, loss real stuff. But the fear is not from God. It's not from God in any area. Fear that you're never going to make it in your business is not from God. Fear that your marriage is never going to last is not from God. Fear that you'll never be able to walk in purity and continue to walk, that's not from God. Fear fear that you're not going to be able to keep clean is not from God. That's not from God. Are you going to experience temptation in some of the areas? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's real. But the fear, it's got to go. And that's when we say, like Caleb, give me my mountain, not for the first time. Give me my mountain back. God, this is your promise. You promised me freedom. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Lord, you promised me a long life that I would say that you would satisfy me with a long life. You promised. Lord, you promised this. So give me my mountain 